Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling. Join Andy Schneider, national spokesperson for the USDA APHIS Avian Health Program, editor-in-chief of Chicken Whisperer magazine, and author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, Chicken Factor Chicken Poop, and Zero Waste Chicken Keeping, as he welcomes top poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, and poultry nutritionists to discuss the hot topics in the poultry world today and provide science-based, fact-based, study-based information to help you raise the healthiest poultry possible. And now, here's your host, Andy Schneider. Alrighty, thank you very much for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Mellon. We've got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to be talking all about proper nutrition for baby chicks. We want to raise them right. Um, you're spending a lot of time with these baby chicks. You've done a lot of preparation for these baby chicks. Hopefully, you've done a lot of research about these baby chicks that you know thousands and thousands of, of people are um, uh, right now in the spring season uh, adding to their homes. And we want to make sure that um, you have the information needed to raise these baby chicks right so they can have a great long life of laying these beautiful eggs that we all want in our home for to, to, to feed our family. So how cool is that? Um, this just popped over. Uh, just if there, if you, uh, since it is, we do broadcast this live, and then of course the podcast is available for the next 20 years for you to listen anytime you want. Uh, if there's any deviation in sound quality, uh, we're under a severe, severe thunderstorm warning. We've got some tornadoes moving through, and uh, as well as. Uh, uh, current over at uh, Tucker Milling in Alabama, they're they're under I'm sure some tornado issues. So, uh, but the show must go on, uh, as they say. But this just came across. Uh, I'm not sure if it came across my Twitter or on the uh, Facebook, Instagram, or whatever. But I wanted to share this with you. We always we used to have a segment called Chickens in the News every podcast, uh, but we got kind of got away from that. But here's one from the poultry site. Plant-based egg maker eat just raises 200 million in new funding um I'm, i just can't fathom you know hey i'm going to go out and raise 200 million to uh, to do this study and that may be a drop in the in the bucket i don't know uh but i just want to read a little bit about this about this company um uh regarding what this is because i was like hmm, plant-based egg producer and then i started thinking okay well um is this a feed that they're coming up with which is plant-based uh because we're we, you know there's all kinds of technology going on right now with insect-based proteins for poultry feed uh and uh so this this kind of rung a bell because the first thing when i read this you know plant-based egg producer i'm thinking okay that big manufacturer is doing plant-based feed instead of maybe grain feed um and, and, and you know uh, I know that there's a company out there that talks about vegetarian diet. That's more for the meat birds, but, you know, maybe it's crossed over to layers too. 
Um, so initially I was thinking that, but oh no, no, not not at all. Um, basically, what this company is doing is they're uh, creating um, a plant-based egg substitute for humans, for you and I. So instead of waking up and cracking an egg from our hens and having egg uh, breakfast or an egg omelet or adding egg, I guess, in other um, things like salad dressings, maybe at, the, at that level of uh, commercial food production, they are going to be using plant-based materials to come up with, and they're using this $200 million to try to do that, um, an egg substitute, which is um, plant-based. So um, that's interesting. The same company, it says here, this is really interesting. Let me go down here where it is. Um, the same company received approval from Singapore to sell its lab-grown chicken meat, the world's first regulatory approval for so-called clean meat that does not come from slaughtered animals. Uh, it doesn't go into, let's see, um, da, 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 it's raised more than $650 million since 2011 and has been valued at $1.2 billion as a company. So the same company has gotten approval, at least in Singapore, to sell lab-grown chicken meat. And I don't know, it doesn't elaborate if that's plant-based or if that's just they use chicken uh, DNA, I don't know, and then grow chicken meat in a lab and sell it, calling calling it clean meat. I don't know if that's my definition of clean meat myself, but that's what they're calling it. And then now they're trying to develop an egg substitute using just plant-based material. So very interesting. You can see this over at thepoultrysite.com, thepoultrysite.com. I'm sure it'll be in one of the headlines when you go over there. Um, and uh, plant-based egg raised $200 million for new funding, and that's all about uh, egg substitute. Interesting. And when I, when the first thing that pops in my mind when I receive about or read something about egg substitute I think about this big old white clear plastic bag of egg uh, that I saw them make eggs at when I was in college. And they just they just pull out this out of the refrigerator, this big bag of egg and uh, just pour it out on the uh, uh, back in the kitchen in the college cafeteria. And that was the and, and it tasted about like what you just heard me describe. Um, <laughs> and so that's what I think egg substitute. That's what I'm, I normally think about. But those very well could have been uh, true cracked eggs just in a, a mixture for the college, but sure tasted like egg substitute. But anyway, so I want to share that with you because we always try to do some chickens in the news on occasion. But nonetheless, we thank you very much for tuning in today. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go to our first commercial break. Uh, that's going to give you time to get a pen and paper to start taking some notes when I come back and bring our special guest on today because we're going to be talking about a very important topic, proper nutrition for baby chicks. So get that pen, get that paper, and when we come back, we'll bring our guest on, and we'll get started with today's episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling. Are you dealing with a stinky coop or brooder? Backyard chicken owners are loving Chick Fresh. Not only does it eliminate the nasty odors, but it also eliminates the dangerous and unhealthy ammonia. You can use Chick Fresh in your coop, brooder, garbage can, litter boxes, and more. Even use it in your spouse's smelly shoes. Get your bottle 15% off today by going to coopcarespecial.com. Take back control and say no to nasty odors. 
When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. Chickens across the country are flocking to Grubbits. These natural, oven-dried, black soldier fly larvae are sustainably raised right here in the USA. Grubbits account for 10 to 15% of a normal diet and are available at almost half the price of some competing brands. More calcium, stronger eggshells, healthier feathers, happier hens. Find Grubbits online at grubbits.com, on social media at Grubbits, or on Amazon, G-R-U-B-B-E-T-S. That's Grubbits, the feed chickens need. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. All right, thank you very much for staying with us today. We have a great show again lined up for you today. My guest today, you know it's the fourth Thursday, so it will be Dr. Curran Gehring, Ph.D. with Tucker Milling, and we're going to be talking all about proper nutrition for baby chicks. Very, very important. Curran, welcome to the show today. Thanks for coming back. We didn't scare you off last month. Yeah, thank you for having me, Andy. Uh, what a great topic. Um, it's obviously uh, a very important time for the, the chicks that we all claim that we love and we want to do the best for them. Uh, but it is a critical time to make sure they get everything that they need for not only a healthy adult life, but make sure everything kind of grows like it should. I'm sure there's a lot of science that goes in behind uh, the feed of what these baby chicks need because, I mean, uh, from what I understand, when they hatch, their digestive system's not even fully developed yet, and they've got these bones to grow. They've got all this. Uh, I mean, just it's it's uh, it's got to be um, uh, amazing technology in this feed for these baby chicks. Oftentimes, we overlook or just don't even really think about it to, for these animals to become amazing egg producers that feed the world. So uh, we thought it'd be a great topic for you to share. You know how important this is and what what really is involved. Yeah, I mean, you said it exactly right. It's a, a critical time, especially in the first week at, uh, post-hatch. Uh, you know, and at, at that time, like you said, the the digestive system, the gastrointestinal tract is, is not fully developed, uh, and the immune system is not fully developed. And, you know, a lot of people uh, that might have seen our Facebook page, uh, you know, might have seen where, where uh, we talked about that we were going to talk about uh, chick health and uh, and nutrition, and you know they really go hand in hand. You can't really talk about one without the other. And uh, the reason is that at, at hatch, a, 
a chick does not have an adaptive immune system, which is uh, the antibodies that, that protect the, you know, an animal from uh, outside pathogens. Uh, it has some maternal antibodies from the hen, but, uh, you know, in those first few days, uh, the gastrointestinal tract, the immune system are rapidly developing. Uh, and if you don't feed the bird and, and take care of its needs during that time, uh, the, the, the damage to uh, its development is irreversible. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, we call that, uh, especially the first few days, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, critical adaptation period where, you know, that, that bird is going from being in, a, in the egg where it's get driving uh, all its nutrients uh, from the egg to having mm-hmm. to adapt to external feed and water. Uh, and... Oftentimes with, uh, you know, when birds are hatched at commercial hatcheries, we might have a single tray of eggs hatch over a 24 to 36 hour window right. uh, where, you know, there may or may not be uh, feed present uh, or the availability of water. Uh, and during this time, um, birds could lose as much as 10% of their hatch weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they go from having and, and, and absorbing the perfect food, that, that egg yolk, which we know that gives them that nutrition for up to, uh, again, 72 hours, not optimal. But um, so that's one reason why folks, new folks are listening, why we can ship them cross-country in that two- to three-day day period. But like you alluded on here just now that we've been talking about for years is that, you know, when you have that tray of chicks that hatch, one may hatch right after you leave the hatchery at 5 p.m., and then some hatch at 6 in the morning right before you get back there. So there may be a, a possibly a 12-hour difference in the age of those chicks, and you're like, oh, they got 72 hours. Um, I also know, uh, because I go to PP, uh, um, IPPE every year, um, that this is so important to get these baby chicks you know, onto their water and food as soon as possible. And I know you know this, but it was fascinating. I even shared a video on my Facebook page a couple of years ago at IPPE because this past year it was canceled due to COVID. Um, but they, they've got now um, incubators and, and, and hatchers kind of built into one where literally these baby chicks hatch out of the egg. And then, no kidding, guys, they fall through the floor it, right into the brooder area. Um, where they have immediate access to feed uh, and water. In fact, uh, when I talked to Dr. McRae in the past, she says, yes, it's, you know, uh, technology and science changes over the years. If you look at an old poultry science textbook from maybe the 20s, 30s, whatever, a long time ago, <laughs> they would, uh, probably, you can probably find some that recommend even withholding food and water for uh, 72 hours or two days or whatever the case may be. And so, you know, we learn as more science comes out and, and, and technology, but now um, – it is uh, so important to the fact they're designing these these brooders and, and and incubators where literally the chick hatches right out of the egg and then they kind of fall through the floor and right into the brooder immediate access to feed and water and um i'm sure you'll explain too is that uh, I, I took a little uh, seminar with a um, maybe somebody you know at auburn i can't remember it several several years ago and that their studies show or there are studies out there that show the sooner you can get them on that feed and water uh, like as soon as they hatch and they're they're fluffy and exploring, so they're going to hatch out, um, and then it takes a little while for them to get fluffy and kind of start get get their wits about them and start walking around. Um, 
So we, we now say, you know, as soon as they're dried out and fluffy and walking around, get them in the brooder, get them access to that feed and water, because he was sharing that as um, uh, the sooner you can get them on that food and water means that the yolk that they would normally be, quote, surviving from, they can now use that, you know, like more uh, for antibodies and long-term jev- longevity, almost like colostrum for, say, mammals. Um, and so, but, so now they're surviving uh, by the feed and water we're providing them. And they're using the yolk almost like uh, the colostrum to, for better health, long-term health, better, better antibodies and things like that. They're not using that yolk just to survive on because they have nothing else. So, uh, see, again, I get, you, know, you can hear the passion because uh, this is so awesome to me being able to see those, those new hatcheries uh, and hatchers and incubators are coming out and all the science about nutrition of baby chick. And that's why it kind of irks me sometimes, Doc, when, when people are, you know, their baby chicks are three mm-hmm. days old. They, they just pick them up at, you know, the feed store and they're three years old. And they're like, oh, can I start giving them cantaloupe and watermelon and, and mealworms and all this stuff? And, and, and um, you know, I tell them, I'm like, you know, this is a crucial pot. And they're so small, they're already only yeah. eating just a, few, just a few grams of feed, just a few grams uh, every day. And so, you know, if you start giving them, it's even more detrimental possibly than, than the treat aspect with an adult hen because they're already eating just a few grams a day, and now you're going to dilute that. So uh, off out of the rabbit hole, off of my tangent, but, but yeah, you can see I get passionate about this because it's pretty awesome, and uh, I feel what you're saying because it's, it's awesome. I really get into it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, it's, it's so crucial to to give them the proper nutrition as soon as possible. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's not just uh, feed, but also water. Um, and, you know, the, a bird typically drinks about 1.75 times. Uh, a lot of times people will say two times the amount of water as, as food. And, um, you know, providing, uh, you know, clean and, and fresh water uh, at, at all times is uh, extremely important to making sure that they eat. Uh, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and uh, that they get the most out of a really good feed, um, and uh, you know, there's one study done where uh, you know the chicks were were not even fed a a really bad diet. It was just a, a low energy starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is an example. Um, you know, if somebody was feeding uh, those those other things like uh, that you mentioned that uh, would maybe dilute the uh, mm-hmm. feed. Um, birds that were fed that low-energy starter diet were lighter through 49 days of age, and it didn't matter what type of finisher diet they were fed. So, wow. uh, you know, yeah. So, I mean, that that uh, that first seven days uh, makes so much of a difference, and you, you can't make up for it later. And uh, yeah. you know, like like you said, they're they're eating such a small amount. Um, you know, with a with a layer chick, they're going to eat uh, about the same amount in a month that a hen is going to eat in a day. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, not even that big of an investment to really feed that, that chick early on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, fantastic. Keep going. Let's hear more. This is great. Yep. Uh, well, you know, I wanted to mention that, you know, with the immune system – you know that I talked about before when it's it's developing and and seventy percent of the entire immune system is located in the gut uh, and the the gastrointestinal tract is the uh, the largest organ system uh, 
in the body. It's the has the highest uh, surface area that's exposed to the outside world. And uh, because so much of that immune system is uh, located in the gut, they're they're really tied together. Um, so by feeding that bird, um, you know all the nutrients that it needs. Uh, in that during that adaptation period, and especially for the first few weeks, while those systems are developing, uh, you're helping to set the bird up to be able to uh, minimize the, the risk of uh, getting, uh, you know, seriously infected from various pathogens uh, for the remainder of its life. Yeah. And, uh, so. No. Go ahead, please. Oh, well, I was just going to mention, you know, and that's why we uh, recently came out with uh, Showflock Starter to, uh, at Tucker Milling. And, you know, we expect that it's probably going to cost three or more dollars a bag more than, a, you know, than our typical uh, starter feed. But, you know, that comes with higher amino acid density, uh, higher energy, uh, the products that are uh, – that are uh, natural uh, plant extracts that are added to help the bird cope with any uh, pathogens or stresses early on uh, so that the gut and the immune system can develop. And uh, in a typical backyard flock of, uh, say, you know, 15 birds, if you were to uh, bring home 15 chicks, one bag of feed would last about seven weeks. So that's 20 cents per chick. And so you're talking about less than a quarter uh, per bird that may translate into lasting effects on the bird's welfare and performance. It's got to be it's got to be such a fine line there when you talk about because out there in the in the blogs and the forums and the and the groups you know it, it's it's they, it's so generalized like well you know the 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 chick starter has more protein but then it's got less calcium and then and then you know the the grower is a little bit less protein than that and then you've got the layer feed that's higher in calcium because they're now they're starting to produce eggs and so we we, we have this kind of mental picture i guess if you will that there's just really not a lot of calcium in in in, in the in the chick starter but when we were talking on the phone a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about this show um you're like that's kind of the case, but not really. I mean, these they got to have that calcium for that bone growth, even as a as a baby chick. So it's not like there's, I guess, no calcium in there, but or a different type of calcium that they're they're needing for bone growth and development. Right, and um, you know, for a for a baby chick, the calcium requirement is close to one percent, uh, you know, point nine to, to one, and what we typically see on a, a feed tag is total phosphorus, um, you know, that may be 0.5 or 0.6%, but that really doesn't tell us anything about the amount of phosphorus that the bird can actually use. Okay. Um, so, you know, a properly formulated diet is going to be uh, formulated based on digestible phosphorus, um, or uh, sometimes we call it non-phytate phosphorus, which means uh, the phosphorus that that's available for the bird uh, to use, and so, you know, we're typically a, a properly formulated diet is going to have 0.45 percent um, available or digestible phosphorus uh, compared to that, um, you know, 0.6 percent that might be on the tag, 
And so that's one thing where, you know, even two feeds that would have the same phosphorus level uh, in the nutrient guarantees, you know, one might have 0.3% available phosphorus and be deficient, while another one, you know, may have 0.45%. Um, but the, you know, the really important thing is the calcium to phosphorus ratio. And so, you know, those numbers can change a little bit as long as they stay close to two to one. Um, and the reason is that bones are made of a mineral called hydroxyapatite, which is a uh, calcium phosphate that has about a two to one ratio. So if we were to feed, uh, say, a, a layer diet that has around 4% calcium uh, to a baby chick, that, that ratio is, you know, way off um, compared to, to what it needs to be. And we can actually cause uh, phosphorus deficiency symptoms by feeding that much excess calcium. And so that's something that people, uh, you know, a lot of times aren't aware of is that by feeding too much phosphorus or too much calcium, we can uh, cause the same uh, symptoms as feeding not enough of either one. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that all of that totally makes sense to me regarding that. And um, as far as the the time fed for the chick starter, I mean, we we all you know you look on the different labels of the bags, and many oftentimes they'll say eight weeks starter, eight weeks grower, uh, sixteen weeks. Um, uh, you know, you go ahead over to layer. Sometimes it's eighteen weeks for layer. Sometimes uh, you won't. People will say, well, I don't see anything marked grower. It's either starter and then layer, and they'll send, they'll say starter for 16 weeks and then switch over to the uh, the layer feed. So um, obviously we're looking at at least eight weeks of this chick starter, and some are marked starter grower, so that you would use that up until you switch over to uh, the layer feed. Right, yeah, and, you know, the the reason that, those time frames might, uh, you know, differ quite a bit and be confusing is that, uh, you know, typically for backyard poultry feed, we have less uh, options than you would have in a commercial operation. Um, so, you know, if you were feeding commercial layers, you might have a pullet starter, a pullet grower, a pullet developer, um, and then your first layer feed. Um, and then, uh, you know, you'd be changing to different layer feeds as, production changes and feed intake mm -hmm. changes as the end ages. Um, mm -hmm. Same with, a, you know, with meat birds. You might have a starter, a grower, a finisher. Sometimes there's a finisher one and a finisher two. Um, and, but, you know, with, uh, with bag feed, especially when uh, we're making uh, products for all different species, uh, you know, if you were, if you had one for every phase that, uh, you know, a commercial doc, uh, a commercial flock might be fed. We'd have, uh, you know, thousands of of different feeds, and um, it would be, uh, you know, more than more than a feed store could could keep in in stock and uh, and inventory. So what we typically mm -hmm. have is, uh, you know, a starter. Sometimes there's a uh, a grower developer. Or you know, in our sh our new show flock line, we're calling it a developer. Uh, and you know, at least for our line, uh, that show flock starter could be fed for the first uh, 
three weeks or eight weeks. Uh, it's it's really fairly similar to the um, developer, but what you get with the developer is it's a mini pellet versus a starter is typically going to be a crumble, um, so that those baby shakes can consume it easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know where you where you switch from starter to a grower or developer really depends on uh, what type of bird you're you're growing. You know, if it's for uh, for egg laying, then you might want to start the developer uh, later on, uh, and it, in order to you know manage the uh, the pullet's weight. Uh, if it's a meat bird, then I would uh, switch them to a, a grower or developer uh, earlier on, as soon as they can consume a pellet, because uh, you know be um, more efficient that way and get better growth. That's interesting. Something that we don't often think about the the difference in a in a crumble and a pellet being other than just chicken owner or our chickens' uh, preference. There's a lot more to it <laughs> than that when you look deeper into it. So I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people just think, oh, it's just it's for whatever I like or whatever I don't like or my chickens don't like the pellets. They just eat the crumbles, and that's oftentimes what you hear most about the difference between crumble and pellets. I'm glad you mentioned that there's more difference there uh, when, when it comes down to the science of our, of our backyard, our flock. I want to say also uh, just at the, the basic level, because we have a lot of, a, a lot of newbies uh, that have just started, is that, you know, we want to keep food available to them, uh, again, in that brooder um, all the time. We want them to have access food for all the time. So I've, uh, over the years, I've heard lots of folks say, well, I fed their feeder up this morning when I left. And you know, I'll feed it. I'll fill it up again tomorrow before I leave for work, or you know, even it may be empty now. Kind of because they get so like with the dog or the cat or maybe other pets, where you know I feed them once a day and they eat it up and it's gone. So we always again recommend that you know, no, that's that's a little, little bit different here with the poultry, and uh, we want to make sure they do have access to that proper nutrition, that chick starter. Um, all the time, whether it be you know 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 2 in the morning, 2 in the afternoon, it doesn't matter. You want to make sure you keep those feeders, and it's hard to, you know, keep the feeders full. No, the feeder doesn't have to be full, but they have to have access. The feeder could be half full <laughs> as long as they have food down there. They can access yeah. feed all all the time because they'll, they will eat pretty much throughout the day a little bit all day long. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, there's nothing worse that, that can happen than letting the birds run out of feed uh, or water. And, uh, you know, one thing that, that I learned when I was in school is, you know, we used uh, tube feeders, which I think a lot of people have. Um, and, you know, not only do you have to make sure that those are at the right height so that the birds can easily consume feed, but a lot of times uh, feed might uh, bridge, so they might eat all of the feed that's in the feed pan. And even though there's a lot of feed in the feeder, uh, it, it could get stuck in, in there. And mm-hmm. so we would go through several times a day and shake all the feeders to make sure that the feed pans were full. And, and then the last. And regular check the waters. Uh huh. Now, I know meat birds will do this because, you know, those broilers, boy, they're, they're – <laughs> talk about eating. But um, you, you let that feeder run out of food, and guess what? Oh, look, there's some shavings over here. I think I'll eat that because I'm hungry. Oh, look, there's some sawdust. Oh, there's some whatever, you know, bedding that I'm going to try to eat and munch on. And so now you've got some chicks that are eating pine wood shavings or pine – or uh, or uh, maybe um, – um, what did I just say? The uh, sawdust instead of their feed because there's no feed in their food in their feeder. 
uh, for them. So yeah, there's there's other issues that can happen when you let their their feeder run dry and they don't have access to feed um, all the time. They'll go looking for it somewhere else and may think, oh, this kind of looks like my feed, but it's sawdust or it's uh, some fine shavings or something like that. So we've we've had we've talked about that before. Yeah, and you know, and it's it's not just that they'll go, you know, and, and look for something else. It's it's incredibly stressful if uh, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you have a growing bird or you know a young chick, and and uh, you know, consuming feed and growing is is such a a big part of their life, and really is their their life at that point. And so if if all of a sudden they can't access water or can't access food, that's incredibly stressful. Um, and that has negative impacts not only on growth mm-hmm. but on their immune system, makes them more susceptible to getting sick. Um, you know, and it, it can increase the uh, uh, the propensity for uh, you know feather pecking or mm-hmm. or uh, you know pecking at other birds and destructive behaviors. Uh, so you know, there's, there's a whole long list of reasons why you, you need to yeah. keep feeding water and stuff. Even even adult layers, I'm telling you what, and, and I shared this on uh, episodes this year um, with, uh, you know, funny stories uh, about chickens, and, and I'm working on uh, uh, really another book about funny things that, you know, chickens, you know, we, got, we have a chapter called My Chickens Are So Smart, and then, of course, it lists kind of all these things that chickens do that really aren't so smart, <laughs> but and just funny things like that. But, yeah, if, if you, um, uh, let's say... My flock of hens. Let's say they happen to run out of run out of food, you know, overnight uh, or first thing in the morning. Boy, if they look in their feeders and there's no feed or that's starting to look pretty sparse, um, then next thing you know, you get out there in the back forty with your golf cart and you've got 125 hens chasing you because guess what? Hey, my my feeder's empty, Mr. Chicken Whisperer, my my feeder's empty. They will let you know. They just, you know, oftentimes the joke is about cats. You know, hey, uh, the cat's saying to the owner, my bowl's half full, come on. Um, You know, you cat owners know what I'm talking about. Uh, But but with chickens, you let their feeder go empty for 20 minutes. And next thing you know, they're chasing you around the pasture trying to figure out when you're gonna refill their feeder. Um, and it's like, uh, okay, so, <laughs> so yeah, they, uh, they'll let you know, but yeah, it can, it can be very stressful for them at, I guess, all age groups. Cause even when you got the egg producers, they get stressed and guess what? First thing they're going to stop is that magical egg laying machine that's within them. And then you're mm-hmm. not going to be happy. <laughs> yep. i tell you what I'm going to do, uh, doc is I'm going to take a short commercial break and hopefully people are taking tons and tons of notes. If you're just tuning in, don't worry. This, uh, live podcast will be um, archived for your listening pleasure for the next, I guarantee, a 20 years. So um, I'll do that. I'll um, uh, we'll go to commercial break, and then when we come back, there'll be a lot more about proper nutrition for baby chicks when we return. So stay with us, folks. We'll be right back after this short break. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. 
Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck, the Golden 300, or any of our other 35-plus breeds of ducks and geese at MetzerFarms.com and order your next flock from us. The Yard Bird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in less than 15 seconds. The compact size makes it easy to transport and easy to store. The one and a half horsepower motor and 20 inch stainless steel tub can handle two eight pound birds at the same time. There are no belts or pulleys to wear out and no adjustments necessary which makes it virtually maintenance free. For more information about how you can own this must-have chicken processing product, visit YardbirdChickenPluckers.com today. That's YardbirdChickenPluckers.com. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. Alrighty, thank you very much for staying with us today on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by our good friends, Tucker Milling. I wanted to remind everybody that the spring issue of Chicken Whisperer magazine has sprung. I know the digital edition went out last week, and if you subscribe to the print edition, it should be in your mailbox probably this week. And uh, make sure you look for the brand new article, uh, Feed for Thought. Um, which is we're calling that department, I guess in the industry you call that that department, with uh, our good friend Dr. Curran Gehring, Ph.D., over at Tucker Milling. And so uh, Feed for Thought is uh, you can look forward to that every single issue now in Chicken Whisperer magazine. If you don't subscribe to the print edition, well, guess what? You can head over to chickenwhisperermagazine.com and read it for free. Every single issue we've ever printed over the last six years, every single article, uh, you can take a look and read it that. Also, I want to remind everybody uh, that we've got a tour coming up with Tucker Milling, and we'll be posting all of those dates very soon on our Facebook page, on Twitter, on Instagram, on our on our uh, um, website, uh, where you can come out and you can learn more in person. Uh, we really call it kind of getting started with backyard poultry workshop, and it covers a little bit about everything. So we're covering brooding, we're covering, you know, uh, breeze, we're covering coops and runs and predators and nutrition and all this stuff. And uh, it will be coming to a feed store near you in the southeast. I believe right now we're going to have events in uh, Alabama and uh, I think South Carolina. I believe maybe having one in Georgia and Tennessee as well. So uh, hopefully by the end of this week we'll have all of those posted times, dates, the whole nine yards. 
And uh, it's a great little uh, chicken workshop, uh, which lasts about two hours long, so there's tons of information. Then there's a book signing and autographs and pictures afterwards, so uh, we always have a good time. We didn't do really uh, for the first time in probably over a decade uh, last year because of the pandemic, and now we're getting started with a little mini spring tour, and we hope maybe to do a few events in the fall and then uh, really hit some uh, uh, stores uh, that carry the Tucker Milling product next spring. Uh, really good. So, uh, but we're going to try it out this spring and see how things are going for about six or seven um, events. So we're really, really looking forward to that. So stay tuned on our social media to find out where you can come out and learn all about raising chickens. So uh, already, Doc, continue. You have your outline there, probably. In front of you don't let me delay that. And uh, let's let's hear what else you got about the proper nutrition for these baby chicks that everybody's running out and bringing home this this time of year. All right. Um. Well, I, you know, I was just thinking about, uh, you know, nutrition in general and, and thought that a lot of people uh, probably aren't aware of, you know, the nutrients that we actually formulate to um, and what the difference is between that and what you see on a, on a tag. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, everyone's familiar with protein, fat, and fiber. Uh, but, you know, the crude protein that's on a tag is actually not even a measure of protein. It's uh, the amount of nitrogen times uh, 6.25, which is an, an arbitrary uh, conversion factor. Uh, so it really doesn't tell you anything about, uh, you know, what that provides for the bird. Uh, in, in fact, uh, for people that, that have cattle, uh, you know, they've seen uh, diets with urea or people with goats or sheep, um, you know, have uh, seen ammonium chloride uh, in the feed, and the tag will say uh, that they provide so much non-protein nitrogen. Uh, well, you know, that is contributing to the protein value, but that would have no value for a chick. And uh, so, you know, when when I'm formulating uh, – Diets, I'm formulating based on digestible amino acids, uh, which are uh, amino acids are the building blocks of protein, and uh, digestible values are measured uh, by by doing experiments to determine how much uh, of those amino acids in a certain feed ingredient are actually usable by the uh, by the chick or, or hen, and so. Uh, you know, if we look at, let's say, typical ingredients like wheat middlings and soybean meal, um, it would take 29 pounds of uh, wheat mids for every 10 pounds of soybean meal to provide the same amount of protein. But in order to provide the same amount of digestible amino acids uh, that the bird actually needs, it would take nearly 60 pounds of wheat mids. So... Uh, you know, the numbers aren't important, but the the point is that even if you have the same protein level uh, and the same ingredients in two different feeds, one could be deficient in digestible amino acids by uh, nearly half, uh, and you wouldn't know it. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, and, the, and the same is true for energy. Uh, you know, a lot of people look at a tag and, you know, one feed might have 2% fat, uh, another one might have 3% or 4% fat, and, you know, you would, you know, probably think that, well, more is better. 
but 1% uh, of the diet from fat is uh, only responsible for providing about 40 kilocalories per pound of metabolizable energy, which is the amount of uh, calories that the bird can use. And uh, for, say, a, a typical laying hen, your uh, requirements uh, over 1,200 kilocalories per pound. So even if you had a 3% fat diet, all of the calories were coming from fat, that's only 10% of the caloric needs of the bird. So, you know, when we look at that fat level on a tag, uh, it, it really doesn't tell us much about, uh, you know, how uh, sufficient that feed is in providing energy uh, for growth or meat production or egg production. This is great because we always talk about being a label reader, and we, we've come, tried to come up with cat phrases like that with, with Tucker Milling and yourself and I and the team, and you know, uh, be a be a label reader or what, what's you know what does mm -hmm. that label mean? And and so and even then, reading the label, there's, <laughs> there's still so much to know uh, that that label's again probably not going to tell you. Like, well, it has this much of that, but only a certain part of that is actually usable by by the bird also things that we're taught you know from the beginning is that you know chickens will eat to meet that energy level and and then they stop so it's kind of like with, with scratch uh or, or versus the the laying pellets you know they, they will eat to meet that energy level then they stop and then that's so if it's maybe that lots of corn or grains and things like that they they eat that and then um and then they're done for the day because that, that's they've they've met that energy level because they've eaten all this corn and, and other things. So we we that's kind of drilled into us as new chicken owners o over the years. I remember hearing that actually a lot. And then and then for you and I to think about you know okay yeah it's important to you know read that label. But as you're explaining to us in, in every episode now that we have you on, which is fantastic, we're learning so much more that it's that's important absolutely. But even then. There's so much more than just reading that label. Um, so like you've explained that, you know, on, on the front of a feed bag, it may say contains this uh, ingredient, but it may not even be enough of that ingredient to benefit the bird at all. <laughs> so this is great. It's, it's right. super having you on. It's super having you on because it's kind of like the uh, the trickery in in advertising. We'll, we'll say like you know we go in and we see whether it be on on a, a ground sausage or even on on a package of chicken breast raised without hormones. And you know it's it's almost like an advertising gimmick because hormones have been uh, federally you know, illegal to use since the 1950s. They can't even by law use it. It's illegal to use it, but it, it makes for a good label. You know, I raised without, you know, hormones. Well, that's because it's illegal to use them. So, so, you know, you bringing that to light about, you know, you know, yeah, we want to be a, a label reader. Yeah, we want to read the bag. But at the same time, it still doesn't tell us as a consumer wanting to do the best we can and feed our, our backyard flock the best that we the can with the, with what's available to us. But still, it, it's some trickery there. Like, oh, look, it has this in there. That's fantastic. But and it looks good and it sounds good. But at the end of the day, when you when you have the you know uh, knowledge that you have, it's like that 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 looks good and sounds good, but it's not even enough to do any good for your flock. So, you know, you, you really need this amount to see some effects from that being in the feed. So that's why I'm I'm loving you coming on uh, once a month because it's a whole nother level 
of, of depth and, and education about nutrition for our backyard flock. So this is fantastic. Um, keep keep going. Anything else you have on on your? Uh, yes, is great. Well, yeah, and you know, in, in our in our new show flock feeds, you know, those are formulated to uh, digestible amino acid levels and and uh, metabolizable energy levels. Uh, to, to ensure, you know, fantastic growth. And, and then with the show flock later feeds, you know, egg production. Uh, and, you know, so I, but I, you know, encourage anyone to reach out to us on our uh, Facebook page or, you know, if you're in another part of the country or, or, uh, or even in another country and listening in, um, you know, reach out to whoever you buy your seed from and, uh, and, and ask questions. And we, uh, you know, we love getting uh, questions from, from the, the people that use our feed and, and uh, you know, helping them understand uh, uh, what's in it. And, uh, you know, it was interesting you mentioned the growth hormone, and I saw the uh, there's a pretty long uh, discussion on, on your Facebook page this morning uh, where people were um, uh, talking about that. And um, the other thing that, that people don't understand is that uh, growth hormone is actually a a peptide hormone, which means it's a protein. And so even if it wasn't illegal and, uh, you know, a company put that in the feed, it would be digested just like any other protein and absorbed as amino acids and be, uh, you know, completely ineffective as a hormone. Uh, And so the the only way that you could actually, yeah, the only way that you could actually give uh, hormones uh, to grow birds faster would be to um, inject each bird daily uh, to bypass the gastrointestinal tract and go straight to the um, bloodstream. Uh, so, I mean, can you imagine with no. uh, you know, <laughs> what people call factory farms with millions of birds, you'd have to catch each one every single day and give it a shot and make sure that you didn't miss any and you didn't do any one twice. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's impossible. Right. Just not not even feasible. Yeah. Th- th- again, this is great. Again, the things you hear, and then and then here's uh, Dr. Gehring breaking all this down, keeping it real, letting us know the the truth, the facts about it, and and not the hoopla and the rumors and the myths and all that kind of stuff, which is which is really great. So, what uh, for those in the southeast um, who can go into their local feed store and say. Um, hey, I've got these baby chicks, or I'm going to get baby chicks from you, and uh, I want some feed. Uh, obviously, um, they are going to want to ask, hey, do you have the Tucker Milling um, starter feed? But tell us kind of what, because ha- you have already a lot of fans on your Facebook page and a lot of customers, because I see them respond all the time. I love their feed. I love this. I love that. I love their nature crest. I love this. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for those who are listening, um, you mentioned earlier, and, 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 and they've been um, – kind of notified of this. There's there's a little bit of change going on for the good. New bags and new ingredients and, and to make things even better than it already has been. So tell us tell the listeners now, uh if they are already a Tucker Milling customer or if they go into their feed store in the southeast. And when we say southeast we're talking about like uh seven to nine states, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Tennessee, maybe a little Kentucky, North South Carolina um, so if you're kind of in that southeast region, um, you can go in and ask and say, hey, I, I heard Tucker Millen has this new feed coming out. It's supposed to be just, just jam up really good stuff. Can you get that for me? 
Um, and uh, so tell us kind of what tell, tell our listeners what to look for, what to ask for with this new um, these new products you've got coming out. Yeah, and uh, you know, first of all, if if somebody lives outside of the southeast, um, mm-hmm. we, we can get you pallet quantities uh, anywhere in the country. Um, you know, a pallet would be forty bags, which uh, you know, that's a lot of feed for somebody that might have 15 or 20 shakes. But if you could, uh, you know, get some friends together with you, then, oh, yeah. um, then we can send it anywhere. Um, but, you know, uh, our new line is called Showflock. It consists of a starter, uh, a developer, and then a 17% protein uh, layer feed and a 22% protein layer feed. Okay. And, you know, all these... Uh, these products are just on a, a whole other level compared to what we had before, uh, and I, I think compared to anything else on the market in terms of the amino acid density, uh, the energy density, uh, the uh, you know products that are there to improve gut health, improve immunity, uh, help reduce the risk of toxidiosis and, and other issues, uh, and to help the bird cope with stress. Uh, and you know, like I said, with the uh, with the Showflock starter, even if you were only to feed one bag, uh, you're talking about maybe 20 cents per chick uh, mm-hmm. if you had uh, 15 birds. Uh, if you fed them all the way through uh, until they started laying, uh, it's less than a dollar per bird. And so I, you know, I really, really feel that uh, it's worth much more than that uh, to get those birds started right. So you've got the starter, the developer, and then the, both 17% layer, 22% layer, and are, they're looking at, of course, with their baby chick starting with the starter. Do they at, at a certain time go to the developer? Educate me on this. So is the developer now like a grower, or is that totally not the case at all, where they're going to be on the starter until they go to layer? Where do we – Where from your expertise, your recommendation, where do we fit into the in the grower that you the developer that you've got? Yeah, um, you know, I think for uh for a meat bird program, uh, you know, you could feed the starter for uh, you know, three to five weeks or so and then switch to the developer and it and it would be a uh, you know, a great feed for the rest of the grow out. Uh, okay. really grower developer. Um, and then, you know, I think that developer can be fed really any time um, before the birds start playing um, okay. once the discs are, are big enough to consume a pellet. And and all of those uh, pelleted seeds in the show flock line, uh, the developer and the 17 and the 22, uh, they're all a mini pellet. So they're, they're actually mm-hmm. smaller than a, a typical pellet that we would feed to um, a broiler in the uh, commercial industry. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and, and, you know, those birds are typically switched to a pellet after about three weeks. So, I, you know, I would think that in a typical backyard flock at three weeks, they should be, uh, you know, more than able to, uh, to consume that developer. But, you know, if somebody wanted to feed the starter all the way until the, they see an egg uh, mm-hmm. or eight weeks, uh, you know, that would be fine too. But with the... Uh, with the developer, though, as, as a mini pellet, there's going to be less waste. Um, uh-huh. They will grow a little bit uh, faster, uh, and uh, you know th- those are the, the major benefits to a, a pellet versus a crumble. 
So at least we're looking say really at the minimum at least at least three weeks for that starter. But you know if you want to kind of because it's just been drilled under our brain for so long, go go the six or eight weeks for that that um, uh, show flock starter, and then you can go to the developer and then and then at sixteen to eighteen weeks go with that the the uh, seventeen or twenty two percent layer. Right. Yeah. And I, yeah. I don't think there'd be be any problem with that. Right. And, or somebody. Uh, or somebody just wanted to give that that starter. I said, no, I just always have. I'm just going to give a starter for 16 weeks. And at 16 weeks, you know, or I'll fin- around 16 weeks, I'll finish that bag, and then I'll start later. That's just what I've always done. It's always worked for me. There's no problem with that either. Just giving that starter for 16 weeks and then switching over to the 17 or 22 percent layer pellet, mini pellet. Yeah, yeah. No, I, th- I think that that'd be fine. Um, okay. Is the you know the the starter and developer are are fairly uh, similar, you know, and mm-hmm. there probably will be some more uh, waste with a crumble uh, just because it's a smaller particle size. There's mm-hmm. going to mm-hmm. be some, some more, um, you know, smaller particles and dust than if you were talking about a pellet. But, you know, yeah. a lot of people love crumbles, and, and that's fine. Or they'll say my my birds prefer it, or you know I I have bantams yeah. and so they prefer the crumble. Or but now you've got the mini pellet, which would be able to you know if somebody has bantams, I, I'd 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 rather have a pellet, but you know I've got the bantams or the small birds or the ceramas, and they just they just have a hard time. Now that opens enough of option for them too. So now you've got a, a whole mm-hmm. slew of of folks that maybe raise bantams and they haven't gone to a pellet because of the size difference. Now you're giving them an opportunity to go because it's a mini pellet, which would be suitable for the bantams and and even the the ceramas that they may have. So they, they you you answering maybe some of their prayers as well. Being I wish I could go to a pellet because it would be less waste. You know they they bill it out of their feeder and it lands in the shavings and it's lost forever. Uh, versus a pellet, they can still see it there and pick it up and and eat it. That's we hear a lot of that uh, when people are describing why they choose to feed pellet or the um, or the uh, um, crumble crumble feed for them. But that that's interesting. The whole other ballpark of why a pellet uh, versus crumble at a certain age and and you know the the benefits of that being a pellet versus crumble just just like that. And for the folks that didn't know. Um, but uh, they, I'm guessing this new line of food too, not to uh, uh, get industry secrets out there because I didn't know this until long, long, long into my chicken keeping career is that these most feed companies uh, make all the pellet and then they say, hey, we need, you know, a uh, hundred thousand bags of, um, of uh, crumble. So now we're taking the pellets we just made and we're crushing them. So does that, does that, Go, does that run true for starter as well? Because I know with like if you buy layer pellets or layer crumble at that 17%, they make all the pellets and then crumble them up to make the crumble. Do y'all initially make the starter in a pellet and make the the starter as a crumble, or is that different when you're just making starter? Yeah, no, that's that's true, and that that goes for you know any crumbled seed. Um, okay. By any manufacturer, um, yeah, you, you start with by pelleting the seed, and then um, we have a you know machine that that has mm-hmm. crumble rolls where yeah. um, all up. you can set the <laughs> yeah you set the the distance uh, between these uh, large metal rolls uh, to mm-hmm. you know break the pellets down into the proper size that uh, for the crumble size that you're looking for. Yeah. And, so, uh, folks, all the all that all that crumble that you're feeding, whether it be layer crumble or the starter, all that crumble was once a pellet. 
and they just mash the heck out of it to make it crumble, and there you have it. So a lot of people don't know that, especially the the new chicken folks. Um, and yeah. so that's that, that when I learned that, I was my jaw dropped. I'm like, say what? Um, so uh, but yeah, that's it's mm-hmm. it's very very interesting how that works. Um, fa- fascinating stuff. Let's see what time we got. I got three o'clock straight up. Um, what else do you have that you're like, ooh, you know, because I know it happens it happens to me. It happens for the last 12 years we've been doing this. Uh, as soon as I sign off, it's like, oh, I meant to say that or, oh, I meant to say this. So yeah. I'm going to give you an opportunity to look down at your notes and say, you know, I really want to convey this, that or the other. And we're not limited in time. We've got a whole nother 30 minutes of airtime. So anything that you definitely want to convey to these folks uh, and our great listeners, uh, let us know. Well, you know, one thing is, uh, you know, the because the crumbles are initially pelleted, um, you, you get a lot of the benefits of a pellet. And and the reason that's important is that, you know, every every bite or every peck that the, the chick takes, they're, they're getting the diet that they're supposed to, um, that, that, that the nutritionist formulated. And so, you know, we've had uh, several people recently, uh, you know, talking about, Feeds that maybe have a pellet mixed with whole grain, or they're adding uh, whole wheat or whole corn to a pelleted right. feed. Mm-hmm. And um, you know the the problems with that are that you know some birds do prefer certain things, and and you might have a or you might have a bird that's just more dominant than others that that hogs the seed pan that that prefers the pellets or prefers the um, or the prefers the whole grain. Um, so now, even if you started at a, a certain ratio, um, you know that you don't have that ratio for all the other birds. Uh, and so um, then you don't really know w- what each bird is getting nutritionally. And so I would like a- to think of that like, um, you know, if if you have a child and you were to give them a, a plate of, um, you know, say ice <laughs> broccoli cream and, and Skittles. Broccoli. <laughs> yeah, right. broccoli and Skittles. <laughs> and, and you want them to eat the same amount of each, uh, but you're going to let it be their choice. Uh, yeah, good luck with yeah. that. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, folks, you can uh, so you can go back. I believe it was about two years ago. If you just, you just scroll down on my Facebook page, I don't even know if on the Chicken Whisper page there's a way to put in a date or a year to look, but I believe it was two years ago. Um, we here, because we test a lot of different things here on the homestead, and um, we tested some of that feed that uh, this is just scratch, scratch with pellets in it, really. And you can see, because see it with your own two eyes. It wasn't anything me telling you this is what happened. You see it with your own two eyes, the experience I had with feeding that feed that was basically scratched with some pellets in it that they were calling nutritionally balanced. Um, And that reminds me, I'm so glad you mentioned this because I almost forgot about it. And I should have screenshotted it, but so shame on me that I didn't because I wanted to share it with you and send it to you about the same type of feed. Mm Um, uh, it, it, the feed was advertised and below someone had posted and it wasn't just him. He, he used the term like there are several of us that switched to this and it affect our egg laying tremendously. So, so I, I should have took a, a screenshot. In fact, I meant to uh, text you and call you about it and I should have took a screenshot. Uh, so I'd have actually some proof. It was, it was just a chicken owner. I didn't know how many hens he had. He didn't elaborate, but uh, there was an ad for this, um, and it was that type of feed that had the, the grain and, and or basically scratch with pellets, calling it a complete feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he said, "There's I know several of us who have tried this. We switched to this. 
great, you know, because, oh, it looks better to the eye. Um, and, and sure, they may have gobbled it up. But, well, it's scratch, of course. But we took a hit on our, on our egg production. And I, had, I couldn't feed it anymore. It, it took a, a hit. Uh, he said, we, our, our, our egg production dropped tremendously because of that. Well, you know, from everything wow. that we've been taught over the years, it's like, uh, duh, because it's, you're basically feeding them scratch with a few pellets to call it nutritionally balanced. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why. And like you said, all the different issues, because, I mean, I've, the proof is in the pudding. It's in the video where, where you saw when I was using some of this stuff. Um, and they were eating all the scratch and leaving the pellets behind. And then they actually would run out of one coop and run into the next coop to get pellets. And then I started having egg eaters when I, the first time ever because I was feeding this, this, this feed. Um, and uh, so I'm glad you mentioned that. And I should have took a screenshot of that, but I wanted to share that with you. Now I've shared it over the air instead of giving you a call or texting you. But there, it's going to be interesting to follow. Now you can follow it. You can take a look. I'm going to start following it more to see if more people are saying, you know what, I, I, I took a hit on my egg production when I switched to this feed. Yeah, they loved it and they ate it up because it's scratch. Yeah, duh. But I, my, my egg, egg production dropped because of it. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not surprised, and uh, you know that's that's why when when I was given the opportunity to you know formulate what I think is the you know, the best backyard poultry feeds that that I can make, um, you know we made them uh, crumbles and mini pellets uh, for the for the mm-hmm. mini pellets for the layer feed because um, I I really think that's the the best feed form and and it gets everything that 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 bird should get in every bite. Gorgeous. Gotcha. And so um, the uh, tell us all again one more time um, for our listeners. And like I said, if you don't live in the southeast and you want to team up with some friends and try this stuff, uh, a pallet, 40 bags, they, they will get it to you from Tucker Milling. Um, and uh, if you're in the southeast, let me tell you something. This is, this is what amazed me um, is that by the time that feed is produced and it's in your local store in the southeast, a matter of days, definitely less than a week, but just when a matter, it could be, you know, hey, this was just produced literally three days ago, two days ago, um, and uh, it got in my store, and now I'm using it, and 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 uh, so it's you're talking about some super fresh food that's getting to you uh, days after manufacture instead of maybe maybe weeks, do I dare say? I'm not in the industry, so you've got feed coming out of the Midwest, going all over the country, and and. Uh, but it's uh, it's interesting. So that's that's another bonus that I, oh, I yeah. really like. That's uh, that I really like. You get a precious uh, uh, manufacturer date there. All righty. Uh, yeah. Well, Doc, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, you know, a lot of times it's 24 hours. Uh, you know, we might make feed today, and and that bird's already eaten it by tomorrow, uh, depending on when somebody gets to pick it up. So uh, yeah, yeah I know. we really try to to get it out the doors as soon as we can. And, and we know there's a lot of uh, feed companies that won't even ship an order for a, a week or more uh, after it's taken. So, you know, we, we do our best to, to um, you know, get it out right when it's made. And I've learned um, over, over the last year, uh, maybe a little longer than that, is that my local feed store, my local mom-and-pop feed store, I know that the Tucker Millen truck is there on Thursday. Um, and oftentimes when I get there on Tuesday or Wednesday, they're like, 
Uh, you know better than to come on Wednesday. You know the truck doesn't come till tomorrow. They might be a little out of this or out of that or may not be able to fulfill my full pallet order. You know, uh, they're like, well, I only got 16 instead of 20 bags, Andy. But, you know, the truck comes tomorrow. You know that. What are you mm-hmm. doing here on Wednesday <laughs> with such a big order? So so I even know when the, when the Tucker Millen truck is going to pull in, uh, what day it's going to pull in and deliver that, that feed. Uh, that was just made the day before uh, uh, in, uh, over there in um, Gunnersville. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's just fantastic stuff. And, folks, you can also in the, in the spring issue, if you haven't read, uh, you can read my story about how uh, I got hooked up with Tucker Milling and, um, uh, and the, uh, from the editor. So I definitely encourage you to go read that to see how um, the first major uh, premier sponsor, the first feed company uh, that – didn't reach out to me and say, hey, here's some money, promote our product. It was the exact opposite. It was me looking for your phone number in Google, looking, you know, calling and saying, I'm not sure Mm -hmm. who I'm supposed to talk to, but hey, you know, I've got a great story to tell. I would like to work together. I've been using your feet, you know, that type of thing. It was the first major feed company that I've reached out to to say, hey, I want to use your product. We need to work together because I'm seeing great effects versus the opposite. So, um, so yeah, please you know definitely try their feed out there. All righty, Karen. That's, uh, if you don't have anything else, we can uh, go ahead and wrap it up. Number show show number two for you coming on is uh, I guess in the books, and we look forward to having you back out uh, in April. All right. Yes. Thank you, Andy. You bet. Thanks for all the great information. And like I said earlier, uh, which you heard uh, and others heard as as uh, well, uh, that. Uh, you know, it's, it's, adds a whole other element because you know in the poultry industry it, it's so it's so individualized. So you've got poultry scientists, Dr. McCray comes on a couple of times a month. You've got poultry veterinarian, Dr. Pateski out at UC Davis that comes on once a month, and now we've got Dr. Curran Gehring, a PhD poultry nutritionist, and it's so specialized. But this is great because now our longtime listeners. Now, we've had them on, you know, some poultry nutritionists on here and there over the last 12-year period, but to have one on now regular, we can uh, – just the elements of us learning so much more uh, is, is a fantastic. And this, this episode, last episode, absolutely proves that. So uh, we're so proud to have you on, and uh, we look forward to maybe, maybe seeing you at one of the events coming up um, uh, that we'll be doing. And uh, if not, you'll be right back here the fourth yeah. Thursday in April. So we look forward to seeing you then forward to it as well great thank you so much you take care Alrighty, folks, so we want to thank you for tuning in today. If you missed any of the show, don't worry. In the next few minutes, this will be archived for your listening pleasure in its entirety. And uh, go back and listen to the uh, February uh, show with Dr. Uh, Curran Gehring uh, when we were talking about, I think I titled it something like, is medicated feed uh, on its way out or is medicated feed a thing of the past? Uh, very, very fascinating show, uh, again, uh, about something that we've just kind of information that's kind of just been drilled into our brain all these years and as technology and science changes and uh, learning about things uh, again about the uh, medicated feed and do we really need to feed medicated feed and, and, and giving you all the information for you to make that choice as a responsible chicken owner so uh, yeah fascinating fascinating stuff so hey tune in next Thursday for another great episode of Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. This has been Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling, with your host, Andy Schneider. For more information, find us on the web at chickenwhisperer.com. 
On Facebook by typing in The Chicken Whisperer, on Twitter at Backyard Poultry, and on Instagram at The Real Chicken Whisperer. Thanks for listening.